good evening, ladies. We're so glad you're here, and I just hope you feel welcome and, um, yeah, just comfortable being with us tonight. Uh, my name is Kara, and I'm going to open us in prayer. Thank you, Lord, so much for this evening. Thank you for your word and how you continue to speak to us. We invite your spirit to be here, Lord, and just the power of your word would go forth and your message would be heard and that you would, um, yeah, just uh, use this evening to uh, just encourage our walk with you and to grow us and to mature us and just challenge us, God. Pray that you would be with us and um, let your word go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we've just begun the book of James. We are at the end of chapter one. And um, we know that James gives us so much practical wisdom for walking with Christ. And we're still at the very beginning of the book, and there are around 50-ish commands just in the small book of James. And so we have a lot ahead of us still. And we know that these commands are not coming from James himself, they're coming from God. Um, and when we read so many of these do's and don'ts as we continue throughout the book of James, Sometimes our flesh can become a little bit maybe overwhelmed or uh, let's upset or defiant. And so we are, you know, making sure that we come to, to um, the word when we approach it and just know we need to pray that our hearts are receiving for what God has for us. There's a lot of instruction involved in the book of James. So I want to bring maybe a different perspective on the tone that I feel like God has at the end of this first chapter. The very beginning of the book, he wants us to know he's not coming at us with all these commands as a dictator or someone pointing fingers, but he's coming to us as our father. And I, want, I just feel like um, it's very important that we view him that way so we can feel the hope that comes with all the instruction and the reason behind that and just his him viewing us as his children him as our father and him instructing us in that way so we're going to start by reading our verses james 1 19 through 27 so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, 
and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Okay, so last week, Monique ended on verse 18. But what you didn't know was that she left us with a cliffhanger. And she probably doesn't even know that either. (laughs) Um, So verse 18 ends with us being brought before the Lord by his desire. He brought us forth from his desire so that we could be a living sacrifice for him. And that's a big chunk to swallow already. Uh, It's a huge infringement on our flesh, if you are going to let your flesh get out there. Living sacrifice. Um, But this is the bit of information that leads us into verse 19. So verse 19 starts with um, a phrase, so then. And this is a connection phrase. That means that whatever follows it has to be relevant to what preceded it. So if we look back at verses 19 and 20 to get our bearings again, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So then, from verse 19, so we have to figure out what we're connecting. We go backwards. So then, in light of us being living sacrifices, okay? So now keep in mind, Romans 12.1 tells us what? A living sacrifice is something that's holy and pleasing to the Lord. So if I was going to take verses 19 and 20 and kind of um, say them in such a way as, as if I was explaining them to somebody in simple terms, I might say something like this. So then, beloved brethren... In light of us being living sacrifices, and because that requires us to be holy and pleasing to God, be quick to listen to these instructions. We're better off if our words are few and we focus on listening. Don't get angry because anger doesn't look good on you and it doesn't produce my right way of living. Now, as we continue into verse 21, we have another connecting word. It starts with therefore. Now, so you can tell here, now these verses are not standalone verses. This is a train of thought. So God the Father is continuing to instruct us on how to walk and how to behave, just like a father would, right? A parent. So as we're going into verse 21 with therefore, we know that in light of being living sacrifices, in light of that meaning we need to be holy and pleasing to the Lord, in light of the fact that we need to um, produce righteousness in our lives, therefore, because of all those things, we need to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. If you thought I was going to hammer you all on slow to speak and quick to hear, you're off the hook. <laughs> We're going to focus on some other things. Um, 
So therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. We're instructed to lay aside all filthiness and wickedness so that we can move towards something that's better. We know James is, is speaking to believers because he has already referenced them as his brethren a couple times. And previously in this chapter, he mentioned issues of trials, doubts, temptations, and deceit. And now he throws out there that believers need to get rid of filthiness and wickedness, even to the point of overflowing wickedness. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that if there's wickedness in our hearts, it's going to come out somewhere, sometime, to people around us, right? It's going to overflow through our words and our actions. It usually gets dumped on people around us. We get embarrassed. We get convicted. We do something ridiculous. We have to apologize. It just gets ugly. So we're reminded that our Christian walk requires constant maintenance, right? Constant cleaning out, constant decluttering. Isaiah 1, 16 through 17 says, We must cease to do evil and learn to do good. It's a process. James continues in verse 21, saying that we get rid of these hindrances and sins so we can make room to receive with meekness the implanted word of God. Let's talk about meekness for a minute. It's an attitude or quality of heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of someone else. It's to be quiet, gentle, and easily imposed on. Would any of you say that you enjoy being imposed on? I mean, the very definition of imposition is that it's unwelcome and it's uncomfortable. So no, none of us really like to be imposed upon. So meekness is actually a very difficult um, state to be in. Reality is sometimes scripture feels like an imposition. The instruction, the convictions, the changes in the way we need to live, they're not always welcome. They're not always easy. It's not always our favorite thing to do. So the book of James alone, a very small book in the whole Bible, can make us pretty uncomfortable, just these few pages. And maybe that's why he specifically used the detail of needing meekness. So when we've cleared out room for the word of God in our lives and we've learned to receive it with meekness, even when it's uncomfortable, James says it needs to be implanted, the implanted word of God. This is where it has to get deep. It's a wonderful place, picture of the depth it needs to be in our heart. We have to dig deep and plant it, cover it. It's buried. It's inside of us. It's part of us. And then it's going to grow, even to the point of saving our souls. But once we have this scripture implanted in our hearts, we can't just stop there. That's where we start, right? But there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to do. Verses 22 through 25 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. 
So we've gotten rid of the filthiness and the wickedness, and now we've received with meekness the implanted word, and now we're told that we need to be doers of the word. This is not talking about works-based faith. That's, diff- that's not the topic. It's addressing that we should um, see the scripture as a mirror so it reflects our lives and shows us what needs to change or what work needs to be done. And then we can't only be a hearer of the word or a reader of the word. We don't want to deceive ourselves into thinking that that's enough, right? We can't just ignore the instruction that we've been given. We can't just walk away and forget about it. It says we need to be doers of the work. We look into the mirror of the word, and then we must respond and do the work. Not the, It's word and work. So yes, he even calls it work. It's, it's not easy. It might not be fun, but it's something that needs to be done, right? So I absolutely love rain, and it's one thing that I miss the most about living here in this area. But since we've had rain recently, is there anything you all have noticed that has popped up? Lots of weeds, right? (laughs) So I wake up every morning, and I look out my back door, and I say, wow, there's a lot of weeds out there. And I walk away, and I say, I don't feel like pulling weeds today. And I've gotten a little bit lazy over the holidays, and I'm just not interested right now. So I'm just going to go about my day. I'm going to leave them where they are, because they're not going anywhere, right? They'll be there. I'll just do it later. And that's exactly what James is saying here. When we look into Scripture, and we feel that conviction or see the instruction or the change that needs to be made, he tells us we can't just be lookers. We need to do the work. Right? We need to pull the weeds. And because just like weeds, the work that needs to be done in our heart, if we don't do it, guess what? It grows and it spreads and takes up space in our hearts and our lives. And it influences us and it overflows from us, right? So we have to go and we have to get them out. Now, in case this is starting to feel uncomfortable or like an imposition, let's focus on a phrase that's very important in verse 25. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. As we know, James uses the illustration of reading reading scripture to be like looking into a mirror. Here in verse 25, he uses it again. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Referencing scripture, the word of God. This perfect law of liberty. And if we break that down... Um, we can um, see again God's heart towards us as a father, a loving father. Perfect means complete, finished, or lacking nothing. Law are boundaries to live by or rules, and liberty, obviously, is freedom. So this perfect law of liberty is a complete set of boundaries that brings freedom. A complete set of boundaries that brings freedom. Sounds like an oxymoron, right? How can boundaries bring freedom? Well, there's endless examples of how this plays out in real life. I'm going to give you just a few. Has anyone ever grown anything in the mint family? Well, you know you have to put it in a pot, right? Because if not, it will overrun everything in its path. It needs boundaries, right? If you go to a playground, most often there will be a fence around it so that the kids can run free and play without running away from their parents. They need boundaries. When you drive on the road, what do you follow? There's lines on the road 
There's um, things that keep you going on a certain path so that you don't hit each other on the street, other cars. You don't go in the wrong direction. You don't drive off a cliff. We need boundaries, right? So in the midst of these boundaries, it brings freedom because we're free to do those things without being in danger. And even in Job 38, 8 through 11, God gives boundaries to the ocean. It says, who shut up, who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud waves must stop. When the ocean exceeds its boundaries, it's complete destruction, right? And so it is with our walk with God. We need boundaries, and God knows this. He gave us a full book of them. But we see that his intentions in that, in that book is for our own good. Psalm 19, 7 through 11, um, describes scripture and how it impacts our lives I'm going to read through it real quick. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Just as it's stated in the last verse of Psalm 19, when we look into this perfect law of liberty, this scripture, and continue in it and do what it shows us, we are warned and we are rewarded. This is reiterated in Deuteronomy 29.9, which says, Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And Psalm 119 also is full of the rewards we receive from Scripture. So Scripture isn't just about boundaries. It's about the benefits about the rewards that he wants to give us when we walk according to his ways. Just a few of them are a clean heart, strength, a guide, liberty, songs, truth, delight, counsel, wisdom, hope, trust. And that chapter is full of all kinds of stuff. Philippians 2, 13 through 16 gives us so much hope concerning these exhortations in James. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Just like a kid would rather run around in the street or throw knives at his siblings, parents know that it's just not a good idea, right? They need boundaries, and God sees us this way. He knows that we'll get in trouble, we'll get hurt, we'll, we need help. And so he gives us these instructions. He gives us these boundaries that may seem like impositions, but in the end, there's blessing, there's freedom, and there's protection, right? 
James says, don't just be a hearer of the word. Don't just notice the weeds. Do something about it. Jesus paints a beautiful picture for us as well in the Gospels. Luke 6 says, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat violently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat violently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. We're instructed to look into this mirror, into this perfect law of liberty, this complete set of boundaries that gives us freedom. And we must decide what we're going to do about our reflection. We're promised blessing and rewards for our obedience. As we move forward in the book of James, it's important to remember God's heart toward us as a father who's instructing his children. It's for their own good. If I took these same verses that we just went through, James 1, 19 through 25 so far, I just kind of reworded them um, with the voice of a father. And so I want to just read it to you, and it's, it's based on our verses that we just went through so far. But um, I just want it to kind of settle into your heart, because going forward throughout the book, through the rest of the book of James, it's a lot. It's a lot of instruction, and um, I want our hearts to be ready to receive that and not feel um, resistant to that. So this is through the heart of a father. Settle down and listen to me for a minute. I need you to hear my instructions for you. When you're busy talking back and getting upset with it all, you can't hear my intentions for you, and you aren't demonstrating the character that I want for you. I want you to imitate me. I want you to live in a right way, so listen. In order for you to live according to my ways, you've got to get rid of some things. Not everything in your life is productive or beneficial. There's filthiness and wickedness overflowing from your life. It's got to be changed. You can do this by hearing my words, the direction I'm giving you on how to live for me. It has some boundaries you may not like or understand, but if you take my words and put them deep down in your heart and live by them, it will change your life and save your soul. That's my plan for you. But if you can't just but you can't just hear me. You need to do what I'm telling you. I don't want you to trick yourself into thinking it's all good when it's not. When you know what you need to do, you can't pretend like you didn't hear me just because you may not like it. You can't just forget about it. When you recognize my boundaries and receive my directions my, by acting on my word, I promise you will be blessed. My ways are for your good. Now we're going to go on into verses 26 and 27 where James hasn't even waited one moment to give us a practical application for what we've just learned. James 1, 26 and 27 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. 
The word religion kind of has a negative connotation sometimes in our conversations today, but in this time period, it really just referred to their relationship with the Lord. Um, James gives us three very specific practical checks that we should monitor in our life as believers. They are controlling our tongue, caring for the weak and needy, and staying unspotted from the world. We're just going to focus on the first one. James is quickly letting us know that even something as small as our words can cause so much trouble. We can be deceived into not recognizing the power of our tongue, and we are going to just um, talk about that for a minute here. There are so many verses on our words or our tongue um, that it could be a study all by itself. Um, and it's easy to see why James singled out this one aspect of our lives um, in this verse. A few of the things that um, our tongue has the influence to do is um, throughout Scripture, it tells us that the more words we have, we have increased chance of sinning. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We should encourage each other with our words. The tongue of a wise person brings healing. But rash words are like the thrust of a sword. There's many, many, many more. Um, James 3, 5, which we'll get to sometime this year, um, says, it's speaking about the tongue, and he says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And then here we come to the root of the issue behind the tongue. It says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. That's Matthew 15, 18. And Luke 6 agrees, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words are definitely one of our most obvious ways that filthiness and wickedness can pour out of us onto other people, right? It's also the easiest sin to excuse, to be deceived by, to brush off as a joke, to engage in without really thinking about the consequences. I'm pretty sure that if we focus on... Um, changing a few verses, or if we focus on um, applying a few verses, um, even just on a, a very basic level that had to do with our tongue, that we would see a lot of change, right? The defiling of the heart is a hindrance to our spiritual walk and growth. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We have here a perfect opportunity to practice what we've just heard, to be doers of the word and not just hearers. When you go to your tables, there's going to be a piece of paper for everybody, and it's covered with verses about the power of our tongue. And so I challenge you this week to pick as many of those as you want, as you can, to memorize. And that one easy step of memorizing it prayerfully applying it, is already then putting into effect not only Psalm 119.11, hiding God's word in your heart, but also our verses in James 1, right, of just um, being careful what our tongue does. So it'll be a paper like this on your tables. So I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we are going to disperse. Lord, thank you so much for your word that it gives us boundaries, that it gives us direction, that you want us to be um, blessed. You want us to be rewarded in your ways. And so we just ask that you would put on our hearts these verses this week to just memorize and to apply and to just become more like you, God.
and to be aware of the work that you want to do in us, your love for us as a father, and um, just that our hearts would be open to your instruction and aware of our words and the power of our tongue. We just love you and um, just thank you for loving us enough to, um, yeah, give us hard things and challenge us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.